HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable. With your hosts, Zara Tangor and Nicole Bailey. Okay, awesome. Today we have a special mini-sode for you guys, and we are talking with our friends from the Service Workers Coalition, and do you guys want to just introduce yourselves? Who are you? I'm Anna Dunn. Hi. Thanks for having us. Hello. I'm Seamus Branch. I'm Kelly Sullivan. Awesome. Hi, friends. Hi. So yeah, we wanted to um, just give you guys some time to kind of talk about and tell our listeners about what you guys are doing with your amazing mutual aid fund that you started in this crisis um, that we're all going through right now. And uh, yeah, so do you, can, can you, Anna, can you start by telling us just a little bit about, um, you know, you guys jumped into this like right off the bat as soon as everything started happening. Like, can you just kind of tell us about that process? Like, yeah. how did that, how did you guys band together? What was that kind of those initial stages like? Well, um, let me think. Maybe, maybe Seamus could, Seamus texted us both one day, um, I guess a couple, like four days before all of the restaurants were um, closed, about three or four days, and asked me and Kelly to have lunch. Um, just to talk about what was, you know, what it was going to look like for us. And I don't think we anticipated really exactly the restaurants closing in the way that they did. Um, but we knew it was not going to be great. And I think for me, the term social distancing immediately brought up lots of things, not only about the restaurant industry, but about living in New York, about the ways that it's very difficult to live in New York, about the ways that people turn away from each other in New York as a mode of survival and how that was going to become even worse and worse as people became isolated, what that was going to mean in terms of mental health and economic feasibility. Um, and so, yeah, so maybe Seamus could talk about why he texted us. And... <laughs> why did yeah. you text him, Seamus? How dare you text us? <laughs> oh, God. Um, also, you guys went out to lunch. Remember that? Oh. Yeah, I know. What, what, yeah. It was, went to egg. It was yeah. cute. 
Yeah, I I was feeling that week that I texted Anna and Kelly, I was feeling very complacent and sort of stressed. Um, And Anna had posted a James Baldwin poem on their Instagram. um, Nothing is fixed. Uh, thank you. Um, that was really, really gorgeous and made me feel, um, reminded me of, of the, of the community that I have here and sort of the ability that we had to mobilize. Um, and so I got lunch with Kelly and Anna to just talk about how we could take care of our friends during this. I don't think I mean, that was on March 12th and we lost our jobs on March 15th and there was sort of like no, um, none of us thought that we would be, oh, you're fine, you're back, you, you're here, back. let me move into a different room. Okay, great. Um, none of us thought that restaurants were going to close, um, but we did know that things were going to be bad and people were going to get sick. Um, and so initially I think we thought that this would sort of be a fund for our friends um, and we could buy groceries to them when they got sick and, um, oh no. And yeah, I think that none of us knew how, how big it would become. In both ways. You know, I don't think we knew how bad it was going to affect people. And we, we also certainly didn't know like, um, how people would like come out in support of each other in this way. Yeah, I think we thought we were being really smart about it. And initially when we met, we were like kind of giving ourselves a little pat on the back for being like, we're getting ahead of this. And before this gets so bad, we're going to raise money from people. Basically I've been having, if you are a loyal reader of the New York times, like I am, (laughs) they've been saying for about the past year that there is a recession impending. And so when this happened, I was like, okay, the recession's going to happen. And it's going to be compounded by coronavirus. And I was like, we're so smart for deciding to raise money from people before they begin to have that like instinctive lockdown fear of hoarding all their money. Right. And I was like, we're, we're really way out ahead of this, thinking that the peak in New York was going to be in mid-April maybe. Right. And then literally three days later, they were like, not one single restaurant will be open. And we were like, okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that you know, that day, we just we we started an Instagram account. We um, made a Gmail account for the Service Workers Coalition. We decided on a name, and we we started a Venmo. Um, and then we posted. I think we kind of tried to frame it as like, "Hey, if you're able to stay home and work." and you're getting income, why don't you donate what you would spend on tips to us a week so that we can like, you know, look out for each other and help each other out in whatever ways that we can. And yeah. And so were you guys at the beginning doing, so I guess we didn't say this, but right now you guys are giving out stipends, grocery stipends to people upon request. Mm -hmm. Um, But initially when it started, was that how you guys were doing it or did, like, did it immediately start that way or did it kind of evolve as you figured out what was going on? Well, I think, I don't know, maybe Seamus and Kelly can talk about this too. I'm not exactly sure how we decided this, except I think that we realized we needed a matrix of care right. that we could lean on. And even though we got a lot of support right away, which was really mind-blowing, I think it was like 20 
thousand dollars in the first like week and a half or something we were like blown away by that but we were also like if that person can't pay rent and that person can't pay rent and that person can't pay rent and that's like five of the people that i work with twenty thousand dollars isn't going any you know getting anybody anywhere so i think right i think we we were interested in like a couple different ways of like caring for people but um for me, I felt like grocery stipends w- made sense in terms of like a receipt that somebody would have no matter what, they would have to go get food. And so like, I didn't particularly care if you spent the $50 on whatever, I just wanted to get it to you and have a paper trail for us in case we needed it for tax stuff. And then it, as it turned out, lots of people didn't have money for groceries, which was, you know, it's just one of those things where like, you're like, well, this will make sense. And then you're like, holy shit you know, there's, this is an actual need, but there was some other stuff. I mean, we're still developing different ways. We want to like participate in supporting the community. Um, what are some of those, some of those things that you're thinking about? Well, initially I think we were, and we are like, you know, always thinking about this, but like wellness check-ins and um, harm reduction care, access and different things like that. We just haven't gotten a lot of requests for that. I think people, I think food is a real need. I mean, obviously it's all a real need, but food is like a, is um, like a biological, I guess it's like, you know, it's a daily kind of like struggle, but I don't know what maybe Seamus and Kelly, I don't know if you have a different. No. No, I mean, I think that we definitely imagined um, again, when we started, people, the only people who were quarantined were people who were sick or had gotten tested or were coming back from traveling. Um, so I think that in the beginning, it made more sense that it, we thought it was a delivery focused model because there were like a, such a small group of us that were quarantining and we wanted to make sure that we could make sure that they got groceries that they didn't feel like they had to leave their apartment that they felt supported and then as we all started quarantining it i think made more sense to limit the people who had to go into a different neighborhood um and so that's when we sort of we're still doing deliveries for people who can't leave their houses um but i think that is when we shifted into more of a stipend um, you know it just dawned on Nicole and I were both chatting earlier today, and I'm sure that you guys have thought a lot about this, but just for anyone listening who's not a restaurant person, but I think like the idea of mutual aid is such is something that comes naturally to people in the service industry because it is such a system. It's already built in kind of instinctually to us, like through service to be taking care of one another, like, hey, like, what do you need? Even like small things, like, can I can I water that table for you right down to like, can I cover your shift because somebody in your family passed away? You know what I mean? Like we're all so like instinctually always taking care of each other. Do you feel like that was like, how much did that play a part in this becoming kind of a natural thing to set up a mutual aid fund? Well, I mean, both Kelly and Anna are in my direct uh, support network. And so I think that it, that's, I mean, it started from, saying these are people who support me always um, in and out of work and and I know that I'm able to trust them for um, for help uh, when I need it and how can we build that structure on a larger platform and I think to your point Zara like 
it's both the like instinct to support each other, but also like the understanding that if it's not the support you need, it becomes, if you give someone the wrong kind of support, it is actually detrimental. And like, you know, there's such a thing as too much service at a table where you're like, okay, six people have now touched that table and offered them a refill and they don't want it. And I think that, um, helped us too, in terms of choosing to do stipends. It's like, in some ways there is like a certain kind of like sexiness of like building a food box for someone and like bringing them this like product and like this thing. And it feels like in some ways it is more fulfilling to be like, wow, I like sourced this food and I got it to this person, but it can add a burden to people's lives. And inadvertently, if they're not used to cooking, not used to cooking that type of food, have allergies, picky eaters, don't have access to a kitchen, like whatever the case may be. And so we were really cognizant of like, what is going to be useful to people. And right now, like money is very useful. Totally. And that's like such a great point to make, because I think just in life in general, we kind of really all struggle with like giving bestowing onto people the care that they need versus the care we think they need or that in some way like helps us maybe even more than them so it's such like a wonderful point to make and such a kind of great thing to be doing and yeah like it just makes it it seems like it would just make it easier for folks to be able to then use those funds in a way that like makes sense for their lives without having to have any pressure attached yeah, totally. The other, yeah, the other thing, tie-in I would say about like service and mutual aid is, um, well, in particular, we were blown away because much of the donations we got were um, initially between like five and twenty dollars, and that amount that amounted to like eighty thousand dollars eventually. You know, and that to us really, aside from the fact that we can see a lot of the people who are donating, you know, like spoke to the fact that like it was other people working other workers who were donating money as they could and we've seen that in with the stipend too that other people as people like access unemployment benefits they return the stipend or start to donate and you know like i think it is especially like part of the fear that i had about the term um social distancing was that it was very clear to me in the 15 years that i worked in a restaurant that that my community was my safety net. And if I was isolated from my safety net, then what was gonna happen? And I think, and the lives of people who work in restaurants are very precarious. They're, you know, they're, um, they're very like, they're closer to the like margins than restaurant margins are, right? So like, they, you know, they're like one price check away. Yeah. And it's, and it's terrifying and it's, you know, and it's, we all kind of like live in that way and make, make through, make our way through it. But like when something like this happens and disrupts the, like your ability to see how to support yourself and you look around and nobody's there anymore, then you're really in trouble. So like that, um, that really struck me early on in terms of like how, and so, but then, you know, it, it, by the same token, what we've seen is like all so many people coming together, regardless of the, you know, like we, and we thought about this in terms of our community, our direct community immediately. And it almost, 
and like almost uh, almost like within like a week became our community became you know citywide not in terms of yeah. just people who were like using the fund and but people contributing to the fund people uh volunteering to do deliveries people like um telling other people about it if they needed you know you know some help with groceries or something like that so there yeah i don't know i guess i i think about that a lot which is the way that like a restaurant is like a microcosm of community and then how it kind of like expanded in this interesting way and we've seen also like lots of other like small like creative like endeavors have like supported us like come together as a community like you know glue glue the um wine magazine the zine um came together and you know consistently donated to us by like setting up a donation like uh situation per article for their most recent magazine and so like little like little like communities coming together other like wine shops and you know other people have like been like how do we do this to support this as it grows this community as it grows so that's been really moving too yeah i mean it's such an interesting time because typically in times of crisis it's like restaurants are where you know restaurants are banding together like come in here we'll take care of Mm -hmm. you you know like 9-11 or sandy or just like other major things that are happening in the city and such an interesting time where like we've as a community have to kind of be like we need help you know it's it's strange yeah and different and like you know we're so used to helping others and now we're like we have to help each other and we have to so i don't know i just i it's a bizarre time for everyone we both just really admire what you guys are able to be doing um i know that a couple weeks ago you guys hit a bit of a snafu with fundraising do you want to tell us a little bit about that well, we just ran out of money, I guess. <laughs> the snafu, yeah. The snafu was... And, you know, I, I, that's going to happen, you know, as need, as, like, you know, unemployment, right. as far as I can tell, has become more difficult to access. Um, PPP loans have been rolled out, and many owners are not using them or not supporting their entire staff. And... Um, I think we probably hit a critical mass of people. I would say, what was it, like a month ago? It was a month ago. Yeah, it was the week It was the week before we took a break for fundraising. I mean, that, I think we gave out about $20,000 in aid in about five God. days. We should um, also say, like, yeah. part of our goal was that we were like, like this should be so easy to access. And then there was a time that it was a little too easy to access. And literally any Tom, Dick and Harry who was like, I uh, worked in a restaurant one time. We were like, great, take 50 bucks. Like not bad, but it just did mean that we ran out of money very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of like what we want to do. Like we we don't want there to be any real barrier to entry to help, you know? But um, as you know, as we like, ran into that issue we we took that week not only to fundraise but to think about like how can we restructure this so that we can offer support to people who are made perhaps undocumented don't have access to unemployment insurance whatsoever or anything and there are lots of people who work in restaurants who are in that situation for various reasons and people who literally can't leave their homes or and are sick or live with somebody who's you know 
has a health, underlying health condition that makes it very um, unsafe for them, for their people around them to be out exposed to like grocery stores and stuff like that. So yeah, we, you know, so it's, and since we have, you know, kind of shifted, um, it seems it's been more manageable and a little bit more mm-hmm. of like a, um, I don't know, more of like a thoughtful process. And also people did, a wave of people did access unemployment in that time period. And I think there's another, like a second wave of people who are really having a hard time doing that right now. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what else to say about that, except that like, it's, we're probably going to run out of money again. Right. But we're going to, we're committed to like refiguring this and offering this, you know, it's a weekly stipend because we wanted to be able to help people for as long as we possibly could, because who knows how long this is going to go on for. And right. I mean, like, ideally, you will be running out of money because that's, right. like, the nature yeah. of the process. Do you guys have um, mm-hmm. an idea of how many people are undocumented that are, act, like, getting in touch with you? I don't really – we don't really have a number for that right now just because um, – well, we weren't – we didn't start keeping track of that right away. Sure. Um, and yeah. secondly, it, I mean, it has jumped – and I think that's happening through word of mouth since we reopened yeah, the fund. Great. I don't know. I don't know. I could maybe say like 50%, 60% of the people emailing us right now seem to be undocumented. Oh, I didn't know that. It may great. be more. I mean, or they just don't have access to unemployment. So, I, you know, whatever sure, that yeah. means. Whatever that um, means. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Would you say that yeah. seems right from the email? Yeah, I think so. So, um, obviously, this has raised a lot of um, awareness to something that I think we all already know, which is how unprotected restaurant workers are in general, in terms of not being able to unionize, etc., and just being very much like financially, un, you know, unprotected as opposed to other industries, which I think personally speaks to something about how we're viewed in the world which is that like being a person who works in a restaurant is some kind of middle job and maybe not like a career enough to where you need to be able to unionize or be protected i mean obviously i don't think that way but i think there is some kind of stigma out there about that um how do you guys feel about like going forward do you have like part of your agenda looking to the future in terms of like you know taking this crisis as an opportunity to to try to do anything in that vein or push for that? Is that part of your thought process? Well, I think it's part of it is so hard because none of us knows or can predict what the future of restaurants in New York will look like. Um, and what, and what working in a restaurant is going to mean now versus what it meant when we started this. I think that one thing we're doing is pushing business owners to um, include their staff in the conversations of reopening and also trying to empower uh, people to be able to return to uh, restaurants that they know are going to place their health and safety at the forefront above, um, above profits. Uh, that's hard, <laughs> but I think it's something that that matters a lot to us as, as the three of us balance the idea of 
what it means to return to work? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's going to, I think this is a really revealing moment for the restaurant industry. And I think that it's a really painful one. And I think that it's going to take a lot of work from the people who have access to power in the form of PPP loans, in the form of ownership, in the form of salaried positions, whatever, to acknowledge the ways that they've left workers behind and make choices about what ethical business means if we're all going to believe in business again at some point, because I don't believe in it, and I, I never have particularly. I think it's a violent structure. But, um, yeah, I guess what I would really like to see or try to help people, yeah, is to just, like, have information. that I, I want transparency from owners. I want to know exactly how they're using their PPP loans. I want to know everything about their, their health um, practices, I want to know, I want to see their books. I don't, you know, like, I think that there's um, an issue in this industry that has to do with transparency and, and trust. And I think that going back to work in these places is going to be complicated and, um, you know, like, not the same and to like, and like, very different. And I think it's, it, this is an opportunity, even though it's a shitty one, to say, like, things have to change. And this is my personhood. This is my, like, livelihood and my health and my body. And you want me to put it on the line so that you can make a bunch of money off a fucking hamburger? Like, you know, totally. come to the table with, like, transparency and ethical ideas. And, like, you know, like, I'll make a choice about it. You know, we don't all get to make choices, obviously, that, and we can't, and that's the nature of a capitalist system, but um, I would like to start a conversation in which, like, all of us, like, workers talk to each other about, like, who and where we want to work and who we want to support and how we want businesses to work for us instead of against us, and um, that's a large conversation, and I don't know how to, like, continue to have it all the time, but... Um, <laughs> Well, I think it's interesting because something that surprised, maybe not surprised me, but, you know, when you guys got so many donations so quickly from, you know, just like our own social circle mostly, you know what I mean? Like that made me realize I was like, oh, of course, there's so many of us. And like working in the restaurant industry, you meet so many people and it's such like, it's such like an, you know, interconnected network. So like there is something there, like we have this power and numbers to leverage something it's just it's really interesting to see how it's going to end up working when things go back to normal that's in quotation marks <laughs> um but like um you know because it's sort of like soured me even though I mean like I never had any wool over my eyes about how restaurants are run with the sausage is made but um the way that people in particular like owners had reacted to this um it's really kind of made me realize that like you are actually just working for a person to get like you're working for someone I don't know it's just whatever but we have so many people in the same situation that I feel like it's possible if we could you know start talking about this in groups and like in mass and like you know there we far outnumber the actual owners you know right. so um, yeah we can just go march on them and burn down their restaurants I'm just kidding <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The FBI is. <laughs> I haven't got to about killing anybody in the last podcast, so I did stick that in there. Um, <laughs> But no, but it was it was actually really inspiring to see that. And I think that that's something we should remember. And like, and we are so many, you know, and we are all like, in the same mindset and have so many of the same experiences. And that's really powerful and can be really impactful, I think. Yeah, I think like, something I think it has to start with employees talking to owners and talking to yes. managers, because I think like, the greatest danger of like returning back to normal is that like restaurants reopen in the midst of a recession only rich people can be served and servers and back of house staff become like basically seen as vectors for disease who can be like sanitized enough that rich people can stay safe and um i think we have to preempt that kind of transition by like setting these hard limits before we go back to work because I think there is a grave danger of service becoming a true underclass instead of like a dignified work environment. Do you guys see a restaurant industry union ever being a restaurant workers union ever being able something to be something that is achieved like within you know the next couple years and do you want to see that happen or what's your interest in making that possible i mean i'm for it but i don't know yeah i think for sure i think for sure it's possible because i think like if you look at like teamsters or teachers unions like you're still talking about people who are like fully independent but like nurses yeah yeah but and across like different locations in one cohesive industry and so i think you can bring a union to restaurants very easily yeah just like in terms of talking about kelly when you're you know just talking about how you really have to kind of draw a hard line before returning to work it's just you know it just dawned on me just how unprotected everyone in the industry is all the workers you know what i mean non-salaried employees and restaurants are just horribly unprotected and it's just not it's not fair and i as someone who's worked in restaurants and done different you know jobs and have all my friends work in restaurants like i i think we all share the same sentiment we just want to see that change and i guess there was just some correlation that i was making between how you guys have started this not that i'm like trying to tell you what you should do with the future of it but it's just you know it's such an admirable cause and i wonder where where the the next phase that looks like, you know, after people maybe stop needing mutual aid as much and like, what's what's the next thing for us all? And you guys are clearly leaders in this kind of fight for workers' rights and health and health right now. So I just, you know, I look forward to seeing what you do next. Thanks, it's a real mystery to us too. <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if it's nothing, that's fine too, but I'm just, you know. Yeah. Well, I think I think that sort of what at least what this has proved to me in a really powerful way personally, one of the many things is, uh, you know, we we're talking earlier about about the service industry not being considered real work and not being considered dignified work. And I don't think that there is another industry that is taking care of its own like this right now. And, you know, for all the talk that 
an implications that our work isn't real and valuable. I think it shows how much we value our work and how much we value each other right now in ways that other industries are, are not capable of doing because they haven't had to build these networks of support for each other every single day. And that is really cool. And, and that community that we've built because of that is, is not going anywhere. We're actually a little bit um, over time, but do you guys just want to let us or let the listeners know how they can find you and give you all their money? <laughs> hey. Well, we can still accept um, donations on Venmo. Uh, the Venmo is BK Service Coalition. We can also do tax deductible donations on our IOB page. Um, which you can find on our Instagram, which is at Service Workers Coalition. Um, am I missing anything? No, that's about it. We are about to launch, uh, launch a website, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the IOBY um, campaign comes up if you Google grocery stipends, IOBY. And, um, cool. Yeah. Cool. Great. Thank you guys for doing this. And we like are so just bow down to you in terms of what you've been doing for everyone. And it's really admirable and really awesome. And yeah. Thank you. Also, it was really cool to see all your cute faces. Yeah. Very nice to see you guys. And thank you so much. Your support has been really wonderful. So thanks. Of course. Absolutely. All right, guys, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks. Thank you. you. Bye Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.